Hello, hello, good morning. In this episode, my guest was Maxim Lin. Welcome to the Flutter 101 podcast, a podcast focusing on Flutter and art. My name is Vince Varga and welcome to the show. In this episode, I talk to Maxim Lin. Max is a Google developer expert in Flutter and he's an Android and Flutter developer. He's a passionate contributor, user and supporter of open source software. He's also a regular speaker at technical conferences and local developer group meetups. I invited Max to chat as I saw a very interesting post written by him about Wasm and Dart. In this episode, we will clarify what WebAssembly is and why it is important for Flutter and Dart developers. WebAssembly is a fascinating topic that will only grow in importance and popularity, so I'm glad I can share this conversation with all of you. I really enjoyed this episode with Max, so let's not waste any more time and jump right in and listen to the episode. Welcome, Max. Thank you for joining today. Hi, Vince. Really happy to be here. Um, could you please introduce yourself, how you got started in software development, and how you found Flutter and Dart, and maybe the technologies that you used before? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I've been doing software development for quite a while now, since um, around 2000. So I started off in um, basically uh, large telcos doing uh, enterprise Java, so really big teams and very big projects, and worked in like yeah several of those places. And later on, I um, actually worked for a few years at our, uh, it's called the National Gallery of Victoria here in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, it's like an art and um, gallery slash museum. So I was there in the multimedia department, so doing very different things like uh, mainly web development and development on all the screens, projectors and so forth that we had inside the gallery. So that was quite a different, interesting experience and like, after doing that for a while, I really, yeah, found I like doing more of the front end, if you like, instead of um, so much of the back end that I did in Enterprise Java. So I um, went off and became a freelancer because I really wanted to do Android development. And this was like, yeah, roughly 10 years ago when Android was still kind of like a new thing, a niche compared to um, the popularity of iOS and the iPhones. But like, yeah, I... Ended up doing that for essentially the last 10 years until um, a few years ago when I discovered Flutter and sort of have gradually moved across to just basically mostly focusing on Flutter uh, recently. So um, I actually discovered uh, Flutter in quite an uh, unusual way, I guess. Like I'd heard about it when it first came out, but really didn't pay much attention to it. And then what happened was I was actually at my first Google I.O. in 2018 and happened to wander into, like, they have tents there for, like, uh, different Google technologies. I happened to wander into this tent, which had, like, Flutter on, like, the um, on, on the outside um, of the tent. And I went in, and there was this chap there who, like, looked quite friendly, and he just started having a chat with me. And uh, I found out his name was um, Tim Sneath. So I had no idea, like, I was talking to uh, basically the head of Flutter, the pro. Um, manager oh, nice. of Flutter. So, um, and yeah, he got me um, to have a look at kind of a couple of displays they had. And I sort of, yeah, that was kind of like the start of my journey with Flutter. I um, started talking to a few of the Google engineers and DevRel people there, came back home. Um, I was, so I should say, like, by that, the reason I was at Google I.O. was I was really like a co organizer of our local uh, GDG, Google Developer Group, because I was quite involved already in the like Android community here locally in um, Melbourne, Australia. 
So I came back and like with a couple of other um, people at the GDG started doing like hack nights. Uh, we did study jams and yeah, gradually I just became more and more like of a convert if you like to flutter. And yeah, a couple of years ago or a little bit more longer than that now. Um, yeah. I started with uh, my first commercial client doing a flutter project and yeah, have been mostly doing flutter for the last couple of years. I uh, have done occasionally gone back and done Android native, but for the most part, Flutter these days. So that's kind of like my potted history of me and Flutter. Okay. And with Android, did you also work with Kotlin or Kotlin was not that popular back then? Uh, I, I started off in Java. So when I started off, um, actually, my first big project was um, not so much doing, like I was doing app development, but a lot of my work I ended up doing was actually systems development. So if you no, like Android is, of course, open source, and there's the Android open source project, AOSP, so, which is basically like the whole Android operating system is open source and available for people to use. So what I was actually doing with my uh, first Android um, client was I ended up customizing uh, builds of the Android system for various devices they had, like had um, tablets, uh little kind of set-top box type devices like that were plugged into large screens um, that they were doing for their clients. Um, it was very much a vertical application. It was like digital signage for the most part and interactive displays. So that kind of continued on from the work I'd done um, at the gallery. And, yeah, so I was it was very much Java at the time, and I was also dabbling a little bit actually in um, C and C++, having to do like little bits of customization, not very much, but a little bit so – yeah, I was doing Java to start with primarily. Um, and then with later clients, it was all pretty much back way back then. This is like, uh, let, let me try and remember. Uh, we're still like um, just transitioning, I think, to Android 4. Like there was still a fair bit of Android 2.3 happening, uh, especially because like OEMs were quite slow to um, move across and update um, what they call their BSPs, their um, board support packages for specific embedded devices. So, yeah, this was really the dark old days of Android. But more recently, um, before I moved over to Flutter, I had started doing Kotlin projects. So, yeah, I was quite familiar with Kotlin by the time I got to Flutter. So, yeah, it was quite an interesting experience transitioning um, from Kotlin to uh, Dart because I think if I'd gone straight from Java to Dart, I would have found, like, I guess, Dart um, quite different in many respects, but having that balance of having done some Kotlin as well sort of made me realize, oh, Dart's a fantastic language. Well, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think that at first, but I have come to really like Dart. But I do also still miss one or two things that Kotlin um, has or that isn't quite there yet in uh, Dart. But I must say, I also quite like a few things in Dart, which um, Kotlin really either doesn't have or isn't as good, at, especially now that we've got sound null safety, which is something like uh, null safety is something that Kotlin's um, had all along, but because of its close interop with Java, it's never been able to be sound. So having mm. sound null safety, I think, is like really a great selling point for Dart over Kotlin now. Not that they're like competitors, but when you compare them, um, like coming from one ecosystem to the other, they're very comparable. I think now, much more so than say two, three years ago when I first started um, in the in the Flutter world. 
I wanted to ask a little bit more about basically how you found the transition from Java to then Kotlin, then to Dart. And also wanted like to know like what are the things that you miss from Kotlin that is not present in Dart and um, if there's anything else apart from null safety, sound null safety uh, in Dart. So what are the things that you now, if you look backward, like back to Kotlin, what are the things where you see that Dart is better uh, than Kotlin, at least in, in terms of features? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I first started, um, I guess, like learning Kotlin, having been a, um, a Java user for so long, like uh, th some things were, I guess, a little bit um, difficult to grasp or like they were quite different to the way things were done in Java. But like I quickly found that things like, like the strong emphasis on immutability, especially um, immutable collections, and of course the null safety were like really great features in the language. Also, the fact that it was a bit more, I guess, functional because I, I have to say, like, I've been using Java since I think it's 97. Like, I, I, you can't see me, but I have my fair share of gray hairs by now. So, like, I, I was very much a, like, old school Java developer. So, like, a lot of the new features, especially um, when I was still doing Android development in Java, hadn't made it through because you, um, you might know that, like, Android was... Um, essentially stuck for quite a long time on much older versions of Java compared to, um, I, I guess, like mainstream Java or Oracle's Java that people say on the back end would be using. So like things like Lambdas, which like came along um, in Oracle's Java, never like were available to Android developers. Well, they are now, but weren't available for quite a long time. So I think that was uh, a reason why Kotlin became so popular in my mind in the Android community was because it brought all this kind of um, nice and newer technology to Android development that Java developers say on server side had available to because they were able to use newer versions of uh, Java that Android developers couldn't because Android was pretty much stuck with um, quite old versions of Java compared to what was being released outside of the Android ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, like... Once I'd made sort of that switch, I was, yeah, a very happy Kotlin user for um, a year or two before I, like, discovered Flutter, Flutter and Dart. Um, one thing, like, that I, like I said, like, I really love in Dart now is the fact that we've got no safety. But there are some things that I miss. And I, I said, like, before immutability, like, immutable um, collections um, and the focus on, like, making them easy to use in Kotlin is one thing I sadly miss. Like I know there are some wonderful packages like now available and they're getting like constantly getting better. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name of the person who um, I'm not sure if it's Pascal or um, if it was someone else who's the author of the latest like um, Kotlin inspired, if you like, um, immutable collections package uh, for uh, Dart. So it's getting there, but the fact that we have, it's not language, it's not in the language. It's, the fact that it's a add-on makes it not quite as, uh, I guess, not not quite as nice a developer experience. And of course, there's the perennial um, uh, data classes that everyone keeps asking for. Oh, and yeah. I know the Dart team is like trying to implement them, or like I think now this might be something that's going to be rolled into like the support that they're doing with um, some sort of um, macro and um, code gen the next version of CodeGen that's going to be 
in dark. But yeah, things like yeah, really data classes, immutable collections. These are the kind of things that are just that those nice to haves from Kotlin that I do miss in um, my flood development. Yeah, and I think the name you were looking for, I, th- I uh, Pascal Vesh, I think he yes, yes. wrote the Katie Dart library, uh, among it. other very cool libraries. I think he also wrote or worked a lot on the linter package. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Yep, that's yes. exactly it. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's very cool. Um, and I really, so I invited you because I wanted to talk about your article, which is titled Dart, Vasm, and Assembly Script. Oh my. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to talk about this article because I wanted to understand how Vasm is important for Dart and Flutter developers, uh, because it's quite difficult to wrap my head around these topics and how they are related and how they are connected. Uh, so I wanted to talk about this topic. Um, could you, like, very briefly before we go into details, uh, give, like, a short overview of your article? Uh, sure. So, like, my article um, just basically talks about, um, I guess, my experience in using a specifically assembly script compiled to WebAssembly or WASM. Um, that I, you can then make use of from uh, Dart using the very new Dart uh, support for WASM, like the, pack, uh, the Dart WASM package that the Dart team recently released. So I actually discovered um, the package when it was in its pre-release stage. So I started basically using it um, before they had, like I guess, officially published it. Of course, it was being developed in the open, like in... Um, the Git repository so that everyone could see it. But, like, it wasn't really, I guess, officially published until um, Michael Thompson from, like, the Dart team wrote the article where they officially announced it. So, um, yeah, like, I, I wanted to specifically write about that because that was kind of, like, the part of the WASM support that I was interested in versus, I guess, the more kind of um, gen- generic use of WebAssembly from Dart using this new package that uh, Michael's article talked about when they announced it. Okay, and could you explain us what is WebAssembly, Vasm, Assembly Script? Because I think they are sure, all sure. related terms, but I don't know if they so so they don't mean the same thing. And I I couldn't quite understand the difference between them. Yeah, of course. Sorry. So yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back. So. Um, Perhaps for those of you who aren't familiar with um, WebAssembly, so WebAssembly is, this, I guess, the latest attempt to have a kind of generic um, uh, runtime, if you like, for web browsers. Um, I guess people for a long time didn't, weren't so happy that JavaScript, with JavaScript as a language. And so there was like basically almost for the whole length of um, their existing JavaScript support in web browsers, people have been complaining and wanting other languages, basically their favorite, like everyone wanted their favorite language, whether it was like Python or uh, Lua or anything else, Java or anything else, they wanted their favorite language supported like natively in the browser. And of course, like ironically, that's kind of where Dart came out of was Google's attempt to make, um, like initially Dart, as far as I know, was Google's attempt to replace JavaScript as the kind of default native runtime uh, in the browser. So um, like a while back, uh, there was a project called Inscription that um, 
was, I think, mainly folk done by people at Mozilla. And uh, it was like essentially uh, technology. I think it uses LLVM to compile C and C++ code to essentially a subset of JavaScript that they called ASM.js or assembly JavaScript. It was, um, yeah, just a means to essentially port like C, existing C and C++ plus libraries into like a, a small kind of subset of JavaScript that could that would then let you run them in um, the browser. And so that seemed to work quite well. And there was actually, I think, even uh, a port of, I think it was the Unity game, in, of early port of the Unity game engine done with that technology. And because that seemed to be going really well and was quite popular, uh, what happened was I think Mozilla, along with other um, browser vendors, got together and came up with this um, new technology, WebAssembly. So WebAssembly is essentially just like a essentially a very simple kind of machine that they've defined, uh, just like, you know, you have um, Intel x86 architecture, like ARM that we have in our uh, phones and tablets and so forth. So they've created this kind of like machine, virtual, almost like a virtual machine, I think of it, um, that has its own like instruction set. And essentially it becomes like a target for um, things to be compiled, like compiled language to be compiled down to, just like you would when, say, for instance, we compile... Uh, Dart applications to um, uh, machine code or x86 machine code. This is like another target that you can compile to. So uh, yeah, this became it's, so WebAssembly has become very popular because it's this like um, quite low level target that provides very good performance for compiled languages to be compiled down to, and it lets you use basically all these existing C, C++. Libraries, as well as the newer languages like, for instance, Rust, that all compile down to machine code, they can now be used in the browser. The other really kind of big killer feature of WebAssembly is it's very tightly sandboxed. So um, it's very secure and it means that even outside the, because what that's, I guess, what you want in just like with JavaScript, you want something that's very sandboxed for your web browser. But what it means also is that. There's other application domains, especially, say, server-side, which have the same sort of requirements where you want something that's very um, performant but also very sandboxed. So this is where, like, for instance, things like containers are used, like, in cloud environments. So as an alternative now, um, a lot of cloud providers are looking at using WebAssembly as essentially the sandboxed um, environment, which you can compile essentially any language which has support for that as a target. And so, yeah, that's where kind of like WebAssembly fits into the general computing picture in um, like 2021. But um, Dart, like people have wanted support for Dart, for WebAssembly and Dart for quite a while. There's, I, I can't remember how long, but the GitHub issue has been open for quite a while. But really there's two aspects to that for people using Dart is that you say want to compile your Dart code to WebAssembly, so exactly the way that we were talking about, you can do C or C++, and the way we do ahead of a time compiling when we do release builds of our Flutter apps, so it compiles down to like ARM or x86 machine code. So that's one aspect that people wanted Dart, and the other aspect was that they wanted to have the ability to essentially embed WebAssembly modules in Dart and be able to call into them, just like uh, if you're familiar with FFI and native libraries, 
where we can essentially call from Dart into um, native code. This essentially the same th- thing people wanted to be able to do with WebAssembly, call from Dart into WebAssembly and be able to like make use of whatever uh, library or module that um, someone had compiled into WebAssembly. So those are kind of like the two um, main scenarios. And this new package basically does the second. It, just, it doesn't address the first. of That's still like a, essentially an open issue. Uh, we still can't compile Dart um, into WebAssembly, and there's some good reasons for that, which I can maybe talk about later. Um, but yet what this package does is it lets you essentially have an FFI from your Dart code into anything that you can compile into WebAssembly. Sorry, that was a very long answer. Okay, okay. So the two aspects you mentioned, that one is the Dart to WASM compilation. When you write Dart code, we want to create, uh, basically, uh, we want to target WASM. Yep. And as you as you mentioned, that is still not a, it's still not quite figured out how to do it. Is, is that right? Or could you maybe say something yeah, so uh, about that? It, it's somewhat, well, the thing is we can do it, but I, I think the main reason the Dart team is not so keen to support that right now is because WebAssembly is a very um, simple model. So what it, for instance, it's very much like, um, I guess, a very basic CPU or very basic microcontroller. Um, So what it doesn't have is anything to do with um, garbage collection. So if uh, you want to be able to run Dart uh, programs on WebAssembly, what you essentially have to do is bundle the whole Dart VM in to do because what you need is the garbage collection, which is kind of like a key part of Dart. So what what that means is that your WASM modules are going to be quite large because you're essentially bundling the whole Dart uh, virtual machine runtime in there to be able to have, for the most part, the garbage collection. And from what I understand, that they're not keen on that because one of the selling points of WASM is the fact that you want to be able to have quite small. Uh, WebAssembly modules. Like you, you don't want to essentially ship um, in the primary use case of, uh, say, like in the browser, but also in your apps. You don't want to have to ship a WebAssembly module which essentially has a whole Dart VM in it just to be able to like make use of some p- potentially just a small Dart package or several Dart packages. So I think that's the main reason why they're not keen to target um WebAssembly yet, because of course, as you know, like Dart does target JavaScript, um, and you can compile right now like Dart to JavaScript. But I think the main thing that they want is to have um, some sort of support for garbage collection in WebAssembly, so that they can do something similar to what they do with JavaScript right now, where they don't have to bundle in all the bundle their own garbage collector um, into the generated code. So. Like there's actually an ongoing effort in WebAssembly at the moment to provide a garbage collection kind of like um, facility for languages that need garbage collection to make use of. So then they're they're not BYO, they'll bring their own garbage collector with them just to be able to um, compile to WebAssembly. So I think that's the kind of like the main thing that's holding back uh, the Dart team from wanting to have WebAssembly as a target for Dart the way they have it, for like the way they have it for native machines. Okay, okay. So... I- so if I understand things correctly, so the Dart to Vasm compilation is not that it's impossible, it's more like it's impractical because it doesn't bring as much to the table as 
you would imagine, uh, right? Is that more or less? Yeah, the- that's yeah, pretty much it. And like the thing is, it's it's actually doable, sort of right now. Like um, I believe there was a um, an intern working with the Dart team last year, I think, or maybe even the start of this year, and they've actually done a proof of concept where they have actually. Um, generated some very simple um, like Dart program or targeted WASM with some very simple Dart programs. And it's like there's a branch, I think, of the Dart SDK where they did that work. And so they were able to do kind of like a proof concept of that for very, very basic um, code. But I think that was the main limiting factor was the fact that there's no garbage collection available. So I suspect the code they did, uh, like I haven't looked into it um, closely, but I think what they did was they just did some simple kind of like maths um, code, which where they didn't really need any garbage collection. So it was, yeah, very much kind of like a proof of concepts being done. But I think then they, from what from the comments I've seen on uh, GitHub, they don't want to move forward until Wasm itself has that um, built-in support for garbage collection to make it much easier for them to target uh, Wasm. Okay, okay. So now we discussed Dart to Wasm compilation. And the thing that is very much possible now is Dart to Wasm interoperability, right? Correct, yes. And that's that was kind of like the key thing that I um, was wanting to use and talked about uh, using in my article. So, and for me specifically, it was um, wanting to use uh, modules that were built from assembly script or assembly script that was compiled into uh, into WebAssembly. Oh, sorry, I realized I didn't answer what assembly script was. So, um, so I'll take one more second to do that. And so assembly script is a language that's um, a, a somewhat like a subset of TypeScript. I hopefully most people have heard of TypeScript. It's like the sort of like the typed superset version of JavaScript. So what um, a group of people have done is created assembly script, which is somewhat a subset of TypeScript uh, that can be compiled very into very efficient assembly script. Ah, uh, sorry, into very efficient uh, WebAssembly. So assembly script is essentially like a pared down, a stripped version of TypeScript, which um, is possible to ahead of time compile into WASM, into WebAssembly modules. If we can now go back to you to your blog post and your project yes uh, so what were you what were you trying to achieve and why was uh, WebAssembly important for you yeah so like what what happened was a while back like I'd come across um, a chap called uh, Peter Solomonson hopefully I haven't got his name wrong um, so like Peter had uh, done this I'd actually come across Peter because he'd done work on uh, porting libgit the git the main lib, uh, Git library implementation to WebAssembly a while back. Um, and uh, like, it's a long story, but I'd actually worked on like Git clients as well in the past. So that's sort of, sort of how I came across him. And then like more recently, I'd gotten interested in, in electronic music, um, primarily because of a post that uh, Bob Nystrom from the Dart team had made, like with some electronic music he'd made. And I decided oh, like that looks really interesting. Uh, maybe it's like the whole thing about being at home with COVID lockdowns and things. I thought, oh, this is a, I'd like to learn that. So I started looking around to learn about electronic music making. And one of the things I found was um, Peter uh, Somson had done a whole project with making electronic music use in the browser using assembly script as, as the way to write uh, the audio synthesizer code. 
So I wanted to make use of that, but like I didn't really want to get into um, doing uh, web programming at the time. So I really didn't look at it too much until I happened to come across the um, Dart uh, Wasm package that the Tart team were working on. And suddenly sort of like light went on in my head and I went, oh, that's perfect. I'll be able to use Peter's um, code, but in like a, in a Dart project. In, in it, I actually was doing like not so much a Flutter app, but actually like a command line Dart app that I wanted to run on Raspberry Pis to essentially experiment with making my own kind of like mini instrument on a Raspberry Pi. So that was kind of the impetus for the project. And with this new support of having being able to have the interrupt from Dart to uh, WebAssembly, to be able to call WebAssembly code from Dart, that was kind of like the perfect um, coincidence. So that's what got me started on this project of trying to get uh, the assembly code integrated into a Dart app. Okay, so and in the end, is that a Flutter app? So how would or it's like a strictly Dart app without any Flutter? Um, it's it started off as a Flutter app simply because I was a little bit lazy and I wanted to use Hot Reload. So, um, but like my intention was to run it um, on a Raspberry Pi headless. So I actually was intending for it to just be a Dart command line app. Like I guess it's something this is perhaps not as well known that like um, the same facilities that we use to compile our uh, Flutter apps to like into essentially native code for um, releasing to App Store and Google Play. It also lets you compile uh, native executables, native binaries um, that can be just uh, just command line, command line programs. So what Dart ships, the Dart SDK ships with is a, uh, ahead of time compiler that lets you essentially create these like standalone executables, just like you would say with C, C++, Rust, Go. Uh, they're actually really great. They're not very big, like comparatively speaking, of course. Like uh, I think the Hello World is four and a half meg or so on Linux, but it, that's quite reasonable for what you get, which is like basically the whole Dart runtime and all the core libraries and so forth. So yeah, my intention was is to run um, my program headless, um, as it's called, like on a Raspberry Pi. So um, the intention is actually to connect the Raspberry Pi to what's called a MIDI controller, which is kind of like, um, if you want to think of it as just like a synthesizer keyboard, but all, all it is is just the controls. So the whole UI is, in fact, a physical UI. So instead of a, uh, there being like a... Um, like a screen on a phone, what you have is just some dials, some buttons, and like the specific controller I'm using has a tiny little OLED, like we're talking 128 by 64 um, dots, so really small. So essentially, the physical buttons and dials is the user, the is the user interface. So that's why it's I, I call it headless because there's not really like a visual interface as such. So I wanted to be able to make use of the assembly script code that. Uh, Peter in because I didn't want to write everything from scratch and he had all this code that synthesized all these awesome sounds that I wanted to make use of. And yeah, that's why I started on this um, journey of trying to figure out how to call assembly script generated web assembly from Dart. And it turned out that it worked really well. And this was like, like I said, a pre-production, pre 1.0 version of the package and everything just surprisingly was very straightforward to use and worked very well. There was just like one um, 
small feature that I needed that wasn't there at the time. And like I actually submitted a GitHub issue. And to my amazement, within literally a few days, like one of the people on the Dart team had actually implemented that and published a new version of uh, the packet or and published on PubDev, but like had pushed it and merged it in uh, to their branch on GitHub, which was just like fantastic. So yeah, that was kind of like what brought me down that whole road of trying to get assembly script working. Okay. Okay. And uh, just to come, just to go back to the uh, controllers. So initially you started with uh, Flutter so that you can have like a simple GUI, uh, gra graphical user interface. And I imagine it, it was just a bunch of buttons that you click on and then it would play music. And then you replaced it with basically running the application on Raspberry Pi and have like a physical keyboard, right? Correct. Exactly right. Yes, that's spot on, Vince. And so like the Flutter app was really just like a test placeholder for me to just get things working. And the main thing it gave me was actually Hot Reload, which uh, like a Hot Reload works, of course, uh, like in Dart. It's like a Dart thing, not specifically a Flutter thing, but it's just so much easier to like have a quick setup. If any scaffolded Flutter app just has hot reload working out of the box, which is not true of like dark command line apps. So it was just like a really nice way to have that um, quick hot reload uh, user experience for me to be able to just get things up and running really quickly. And how did you connect the basically the physical keyboard to your Dart command line app? Is it a oh, command okay. line app? Or? Yes, it is. So, yeah, sorry, that's an important part like of the puzzle uh, is the fact that like I came across, again, a really nice um, package that uh, provides uh, support, Flutter support um, for MIDI. So for those of you who don't know, MIDI is like a standard that's been around for at least like 20, maybe 30 years. Uh, it's, it's just basically a standard kind of like protocol description for how uh, control controllers in the audio space can talk to uh, between themselves and between like them and computers and themselves and other instruments. So in the old, well, not the oldest, like still a little bit, um, it, it would run over like physical, like uh, essentially like a serial cable. These days, like mostly the protocol runs over USB. So most MIDI controllers have like a USB port that lets you plug them into say your computer but they also have these kind of like physical plugs. They look like uh, somewhat similar to the plug that you have on um, microphones with uh, three pins that let you like interconnect devices as well. So for instance, uh, a MIDI controller can just be say something that looks like a keyboard, like a piano keyboard, but it doesn't create any sounds of its own. And then like people in the electronic music space would then have different um, say synthesizers or things called drum machines that actually create the sounds, but they're controlled via, say, this MIDI controller that looks like a keyboard, or it might just look like a, an array of um, a square array of buttons or like a combination of buttons and dials, so forth. So, uh, what I needed was a way of being able to use this protocol from uh, Flutter, and there was luckily already a great library that did that. Um, it, in fact, actually. Uh, had Linux support, which was fantastic because, well, actually, I think when I first found it, it didn't have Linux support, but I asked very nicely and the developer actually like added Linux support. Um, so that worked out really well. Um, and then because like it was 
specifically done as a Flutter plugin, so I couldn't directly use it as um, like as a Dart package in a command line Dart arc because it had like Flutter dependencies. But like it was quite because it wasn't too the code wasn't too complicated. I just sort of forked off my own version and got it working like as a Dart command line app. And since then, I've actually submitted like some pull requests to sort of split those two things out into separate like. A, a separate Dart package, then the, trying to have the Flutter plug, then like just use the Dart package. So then you can make use of it both as a Flutter plugin and just as a pure Dart package. Because like the the core of the package is just using FFI, like on Linux at least, it uses uses FFI to talk to like that standard um, library called also that provides the MIDI support on Linux systems and hence on Raspberry Pis. Huh. So it MIDI is also used for basically. So it's it is used in your project to play any kind of audio, right? Uh, so no, um, that was a bit that yeah. um, I I think I did cover it a little bit in my article. So that, there's kind of like three parts. There's the uh, MIDI, which is used for essentially the control part, like it's a protocol to control things. But um, then there's like the generating the audio, which is what. Um, The assembly code, uh, the assembly script code does that I got, but then, like you say, there's also you need to actually get that audio out, you know, out of a speaker <laughs> or out of headphones or whatever. And so for that, you need to have some sort of way of um, sending sound out through whatever system you're using, whether it's Android, iOS, or Linux. And like on Linux, like, um, there's a, again uh, a standard uh, like library. System library, if you like, called Ulsa. Al, I hope I, I say it right. Alsa. I think people call it Ulsa. Um, so that again, I needed to for have an FFI binding to that, and rather than having a direct, I started actually writing my own direct like FFI binding to it before I found out that there was actually one done via kind of like a utility library by someone else. Um, it was actually. Yeah, quite hard to find. Sometimes Dart packages are not the most easiest thing to come across if you don't know the exact thing to search for. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm making use of um, a, a Dart um, FFI-based package, which lets me output sound on Linux systems to like the standard audio system that Linux has. So that's kind of like the three parts that you need. You need the if you want to use a hardware controller to control your program, you need MIDI, then you need something that actually does the sound or audio generation, whether it's sample playback or audio synthesis. And then you need to take those essentially um, audio samples and ship them out to the audio output of your system. So that's what the third part of the um, my, my app has. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I understand it now. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bit so... of a niche topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Like, on which platforms is your app running now? Um, well, it was running on my laptop, and I was doing some tests on, like, a Raspberry uh, Pi 4. Um, one thing I should say is that as much as I love um, the fact that Dart it moves along fast and they do deprecate things so we're not, like, carrying all this old baggage behind us, one thing I sadly found was that um, Dart deprecated support for ARM version 6, uh, ARM v6, uh, 
CPUs, I think it was about a year ago. And like initially I'd wanted to use um, a Raspberry Pi called the Raspberry Pi Zero, which actually uses uh, ARM v6, uh, which is quite like an old um, uh, technology. But that was, it was very cheap, though like only a few dollars and very small and quite low powered. So I'd had hoped to use that, but I've had to since um, switch to use just a quite high powered Raspberry for, uh, Raspberry Pi Model 4 because it's got a much more modern um, um, CPU in it that uh, Dart does support. But I've had to actually place the project on pause because one thing I did find was for audio generation, I guess, so this is kind of like a bit of a niche area, but um, what you want to do when you're doing um, audio playbacks in, in terms of music generation or music creation is you need low latency. You don't want there to be um, uh, much... Uh, latency between you pressing like keys essentially on your controller and having the sound come out. And, and in order to do that, you need um, high priority thread to actually be writing the samples out to the audio system. And so it's, it, that works um, in different ways on different operating systems, but essentially what that's what you need is to be able to run your code that's shipping those samples out to the sound card on a high priority thread. And what I've discovered is um, it's not actually possible with Dart at the moment to specify a thread, a specific thread for say a background isolate, which you, you'd be using to do that. So it becomes um, a bit challenging at the moment, unless you're willing to write a lot of native code to um, do that for you and then just have um, Dart control that, which is not what I was after. I wanted to actually do everything as much as possible in Dart. Um, you can't actually get decent low latency audio at the moment. There's some really nice um, Dart or Flutter um, packages or plugins, I should say, Flutter plugins that do audio playback, but they, they can't. They, they don't let you do low latency, which is the really kind of important thing. They can do reasonably low latency like um, playback. But that's more in terms of playing back, you know, samples like, say, little sound effects for, for instance, in a game or like playing back music or something where like the latency that I'm talking about is in low milliseconds. So it's even more important than, say, in our Flutter apps when we talk about, you know, like staying in the 16 millisecond budget for our frames so we don't get jank. Like if you don't want dropouts in like audio when you're playing back um, audio in a low latency application, you're talking about say a three millisecond, four millisecond budget, because if you have much more buffer than that, then the latency becomes kind of like too obvious um, and too annoying for someone who's playing back music. Okay, when you say playing back music, what I, I'm asking, uh, so what you mean is that when I click on the keyboard, uh, like the physical keyboard, the sound comes too like too late. Yes, uh, so exactly. The There's too much too high, and it's yeah. it's annoying to play music, right? Yes, yes. So, so not playing back as in playing back like um, recordings or something, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, like when you're playing, it, say, say if you if you imagine playing a, like an, a keyboard, like as in a piano keyboard, uh, yeah, you don't want there to be too long a gap between when you press a key and you hear the sound coming out of the speaker or the headphones. So that's the latency that's quite important. It's in some ways it's very similar to the problems we deal with in terms of you know latency and jankiness in mm -hmm. 
visual interfaces, but just here, like it's like you might not even spot, like if you drop a frame or two, especially for users, you know, scrolling through a big, uh, you know, like the typical thing where you're flicking through a big list view. Like if you drop a frame or two, it, there might be a tiny bit of jank, but it's not super um, critical. Whereas if, if you miss like um, supplying the audio data in playback, you'll get like, you know, very immediately obvious clicks and dropouts in the audio. So that's where, yeah, like you can't really afford to miss that budget that you have in terms of um, a few milliseconds worth of audio um, latency that you want. Okay, okay. Thank you. I think I have one more uh, question. Uh, so sure. we talked about WebAssembly and I think uh, WebAssembly kind of was was born in terms of browsers being able to uh, basically execute uh, then like code like C code or C++ uh, and it it looks like in your project there's there is no web browser anywhere so how did the how did WebAssembly kind of outgrew the initial vision of uh, basically just be like a target that uh, like a compilation target to be used in web browsers and is now basically everywhere so we don't need a browser anywhere we could run our backend applications on WebAssembly as well or your um, synthesizer uh, um, like music uh, command line application as well right do I understand everything correctly or yeah that's exactly right and in, in fact that's a fantastic question because it's actually literally come up like um, someone has asked that very same thing in the like the github issue um, about WebAssembly is Oh, I think it went something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing them. Uh, went along lines of like, oh, we've got FFI now. It's FFI support is fantastic. You can compile like whatever C or Rust code to like a native Linux or native iOS or Android library, and then make use of it from your Flutter app. Why on earth do you want to have WebAssembly to do that? So that's actually the gist of the question. It's a very good question, and. The reason I wanted to was for my particular project, I wanted to make use of assembly script, which it, the only target it, or the only thing it targets is WebAssembly. But there's plenty of other case use cases I want to use for it in the future where it's say um, a C library, which I could quite easily compile to native, uh, to a native Linux library or native iOS library. But for me, like the winning thing about WebAssembly is the fact that it's cross-platform. So rather than having to set up like a build for my app where I'm building an iOS native library, I'm building an Android library, building a, say, a Mac OS library, and a Linux library, and maybe even a Windows DLL. So there's potentially like five different um, native libraries you have to build if you're going to support all the platforms that uh, Flutter does at the moment. You can just build one uh, one library, and that's your WebAssembly library, which you can then make use of on all the platforms, or at least that's the, the dream. Currently, um, the WebAssembly support, I should say, is limited to Dart. Like, I think it doesn't quite work in Flutter apps yet, but I think that's coming very soon. But then potentially you'd be able to have just one target that you um, compile your C or Rust code to, which is WebAssembly, and then you make use of it on all your platforms. So you're not having to maintain five, potentially five different 
uh, native libraries that you're using on each platform that you ship your Flutter app on. So for me, WebAssembly like reach, like gives you the promise of this kind of universal native library as much as being something that was originally intended just for browsers and being able to um, ship na- like reuse native libraries in browsers. Now it's really like this potential uh, universal runtime that lets you have the same in quotes native code on every platform your Flutter app runs on. Hmm. Okay. So it it could also like. I don't know the current status uh, with Vasm and Flutter, but the idea is that it might sooner or later, like, I don't know if it already runs or it will run, but the idea is that uh, you could also use Vasm from your Flutter code, right? And and then, for example, if you, there is a very high quality uh, Vasm library that does, I don't know, like, for example, Fourier transformation or any kind of very niche thing that probably no Dart coder will implement, then I could just pull in uh yeah, exactly. that, that's exactly it. library and I could use it. Wow. Yeah, that's... for sure. And that, that's exactly it. So for instance, say, say there's some new wonderful image format that you want to support and someone's written like um, a library for it in C or C++ or Rust. Um like you could make use of that in your Flutter app by compiling native version, like na- you know, native libraries for each platform that you're going to ship your Flutter app on, and and then use FFI Dart's foreign f- uh, function interface to call into that library on each platform. But then you've got to create those libraries in like your build for your Flutter app for each uh, platform, or source them from somewhere. Whereas like what what um, WebAssembly will let you do if you create just one WASM module and you just ship that in your app across all platforms. So that's kind of like the the dream or the potential that WebAssembly has for uh, Flutter is the fact that then you'll be able to make use of that whole rich ecosystem, not just like you say, Dart packages, but basically any native library that can be compiled into WebAssembly can then be easily used in your Flutter app, and I guess the key thing is even better, even though that can be done with uh, FFI, eventually I think the kind of end game is that, of course, Flutter also runs in the web now, and that's kind of like the final, I think, end goal is then that library is available to your Flutter app even in the web browser, which literally is not possible at the moment with FFI. And, of course... Hmm. Yeah. Wow, it's very, I don't know, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, and I, don't, I think it's not on most people's radar right now, but I, th- I think it can really change how we develop things in the, you know, maybe not next month, but in the next couple of years. Yeah, like, uh, to be honest, it's still very early days. Like, this, I, I think it's less than uh, two months, or maybe even only a month and a bit since like the package came out. So it's, this is very new stuff. It's very, it should really be considered quite experimental. This, and like, to be honest, I'm using it in like a personal, like hobby project. I would not um, even think of using it in any sort of production environment for, I think, some time to come. But look, if you're like just wanting to muck around and learn about it, I think this is a good time. It's ready for that kind of use now, but um, yeah, later on down the track, I think it really will make 
life so much easier for us to um, ship this kind of functionality in Flutter apps versus how we have to do it at the moment with uh, FFI and compiling um, native libraries into uh, what, whichever platform we need. So I don't know if you've looked at like the Flutter documentation is really good about how to use FFI, um, but it's not short. Like I think it's one of the longer or, yeah. uh, longer pages that are on the Flutter documentation website at the moment is all the explanations of all the, and every platform's different. Like when you look, read how to use FFI on iOS, how to use it on Android, how to use it on desktop, like they're all different and all the explanations are make for a very long web page on the Flutter website. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, then I think it's time to wrap things up. Is there something else you want to mention and I forgot to ask or give you the chance to mention? No, 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 I think, yeah, like I think that's pretty much it. I think we've pretty much covered everything I wanted to say about it. Okay, and where can our listeners find you online? Do you have maybe a blog or Twitter account that where you are? Very active or somewhat active? Yeah, so I'm um, like I have a blog on my um, own website, manacord.com slash blog, but also I republish all the articles on Medium. So if um, you go looking for uh, me on medium.com, like I republish all my articles there as well as on my own um, website. And of course, like, yeah, I'm on Twitter. So um, I'm MK Lynn on Twitter. So feel free to send me a message there and ask me anything. Okay, awesome. Then thank you for the very interesting episode. I really appreciate you, I don't know, talking about this topic. Uh, I think it's super interesting. Uh, then, yeah, just thank you again for joining and bye bye. No worries. Thanks again. Very much appreciated. Thanks, Vince. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do me a favor and recommend the episode to your friends. Both online and in-person recommendations are appreciated, so share either on social platforms such as Twitter and LinkedIn, or just mention the podcast to your co-workers and software developer friends. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss the next episode. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also listen to the podcast directly from your web browser on flutter101.dev, that is flutter101.dev. You will also find an RSS feed there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and can help the podcast reach a bigger audience. Have a great day and see you next time. <laughs>